Welcome to Reading Makes You Better in Bed, a podcast by Amy and Laura from Secret Book Stuff, where we talk about books, popular culture, and gay stuff. I'm Laura, one half of Secret Book Stuff, and I'm here with Amy, the founder, <laughs> the founder and queen of everything. You can see who wrote these notes this time. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Dahl. It's so nice of you to say that. Anyway, thanks so much for being a guest on my show once again. And in this episode, we're going to help you get back into reading if you're in a slump and share our thoughts on the Cruel Intentions musical. But first, we would like to acknowledge that we're recording this on unceded Gadigal country in Sydney and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Alrighty, Ames. We've got a brand new segment that we're debuting this episode. And drumroll, please. It is called The Quick and Dirty. And I find that so appropriate, isn't it? Like, reading makes you better in bed. This is a sexy, sexy show. <laughs> sexy, sexy show <laughs> with the queen of everything. <laughs> but yeah, The Quick and Dirty. What it is, is the quick and dirty on book news, because I have a habit of sharing things into our Facebook group, the Secret Book Stuff Readers Club. If you're not a member, jump on and I will eventually accept you. <laughs> and I share lots of different things on there because I keep getting distracted. So, you know, this is where this segment began. Yeah. First quick and dirty, because it's rapid fire. That's all it is. Apparently, Netflix's Bridgerton, which is based on a series of books by Julia Quinn, has led to a significant baby boom, presumably because research shows that it's the most romantic TV show based on its percentage percentage of sexy dialogue. <laughs> Much like the sexy dialogue in this show, wouldn't you say, oh, Laura? <laughs> yeah, everyone is very horny over that show, but uh, we cannot <laughs> confirm. Sorry, do you hate the word horny? <laughs> Sorry, do you hate me when I say the word horny? The queen of everything, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, we cannot confirm said sexy dialogue in Bridgerton. We've never watched it, nor can we confirm that it helps babies be made in a same-sex relationship. But, you know, watch this space. Another one. E.L. James was apparently, according to Dakota Johnson, quite interfering on the set of Fifty Shades of Grey. And Dakota Johnson has come out. I'm a big fan of Dakota Johnson, got to be honest. I am. Yeah, she's finally come out to admit that Initially, she signed up for a quote-unquote very different movie. You know, it was something sexy and classy, unlike what E.L. James was trying to push with a very waffly and cringy voiceovers. For anyone who's oh, yeah. seen that movie. I remember the inner thoughts um, that Anastasia is meant to be. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you just screenshot your own notes? Yeah. Why? <laughs> you got to pick for the gram. <laughs> I just feel like this is not um, very professional, but that's fine. A luxury resort in the Maldives is hiring a new barefoot... Barefoot? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> do, we have, do, we, do we have to start again now? Nah, just start from your bit. Just then? Yeah. Good blooper, though. Yeah. I'll leave the camera thing in because it was funny. <laughs> A luxury resort in the Maldives is hiring a new barefoot bookseller on a 12-month contract. So, Laura, I guess I'm leaving you. I was wondering if I could find you in the Maldives or the Maldives. Either way, <laughs> one or the other, I'll be gone. Fair Selling enough. books on an island. Fair enough. Go on, then. And my favorite culty crime book, In the Clearing by J.P. Pomer, which I talk about on the gram all the time. It's being made into a TV series for Disney starring Teresa Palmer, who is very hot, so I approve of everything in that sentence. <laughs> And finally, I just want to recommend that you check out an article in the New Yorker, which I say every single time that we have a podcast. And I'm also going to link it in the in the show notes, which is about the anonymously published book from 1971 called Go Ask Alice. 
It was supposed to be a true account of a drug, a drug addicted daughter, but actually was written by a Mormon housewife with an agenda. Juicy. Can I draw some parallels? I know that this is meant to be a really quick rapid fire segment. Sure. Should we talk about Twi Twi? What about it? Because, you know, I'm pretty that sure Stephanie, Meyer's Stephanie Meyer is also a Mormon. Yeah, she's Mormon, but she didn't write something about a drug-addicted teenager. She wrote about a, a girl who vampire desperately teenager. wants to have premarital sex, and the vampire is like, no, shady. And whatever that means. I, was <laughs> I, gonna... <laughs> I meant to say no, shaggy. Anyway, Amy Lovett, the queen of everything. <laughs> Stop. Once again, I'm going to wrap up this quick and fire, quick and dirty segment. Quick and fire. Fuck this up. Fuck this up majorly. And it's fine, though. It was just our first time. Stay tuned. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I'm excited to do that segment again. Would we say fun or would we say unprofessional? I feel like that was your first episode of Reading Makes You Better. <laughs> it was chaotic <laughs> and fun. It was perfect. Yeah. Anyway. Now is the time to do a bit more of a bookish deep dive. And one of the questions we're asked most through secret book stuff is how can I get back into reading after a slump? And I feel like ever since COVID hit, everybody is in some sort of a slump. So now we're ready to talk once again about how to get y'all out of a reading slump. Yeah. And we're here to help with our top tips. Laura, you should go first because you've been in quite a few slumps lately, not to mention the great Laura reading slump of 2021. Says the woman who reads basic bitch crime exclusively. Yeah. That, that, that's <laughs> the opposite of a reading slump, Laura. So you just shot yourself in the foot there. Now tell everybody your first top tip. So one of my favorite top tips of the moment, as we spoke about on our last episode, and I'm pretty into, is reading short stories. Because I feel like you have a really clear goal. It's not very long. All you need to do is read this thing from start to finish, and you've got a full story. And I love that. And I think that you should definitely start with something like The New Yorker, because a lot of famous authors got their start there. You know, modern times, think about Cat Person. Also think about Shirley Jackson, you know, Ernest Hemingway. All of these people wrote for The New Yorker. But also you don't have to read Shirley Jackson and Ernest Hemingway. You can read Mm -hmm. like modern day authors such as um, Kirsten Rupenik. Is that her name? Yeah. Who who wrote Cat Person. Wrote Cat Person, which Mm. is an incredible story and you should definitely look it up. And she got a million dollar book deal out of it. Yeah. And a lot of famous, you know, modern authors actually got their start Mm. by writing short stories. So you can, you know, go and do a deep dive through the archives. Surely Sally Rooney's got a short story floating around out there in the ether. Ooh, I don't know about Sally Rooney because I've looked it up. She does have a really great um, long form article in some kind of Irish newspaper about Mm. debating (laughs) (laughs) which is super random, but that was like pre her first book. Anyway, that's great. Thank you for the recommendation. Mine is my top tip for getting out of a reading slump is read something that you loved as a child or something that is like has a really clear nostalgia factor. So mm-hmm. it could be an actual children's book that you used to love. Remember, um, was it last year or the year before when I read you? Oh, no, it was a few years ago. I read you the something like the 87th annual hippopotamus race oh my god yes i forget the name of the book um by morris lurie but is one of my favorite little chapter books from when i was a kid and i found it at harry hartog when i worked there and i bought it 
and then read it out loud to Laura each mm. night. And it was super fun, wholesome so activity. Wholesome. So that's like a thing that you could do if you're in a reading slump. Like a lot of people have children and reading out loud to your child, something that you'll enjoy as well. Oh, well, yeah. You've got to pick something that you'll is enjoy. a good idea. I want to ask you actually yeah. on that topic. Mm. If you were to pick like a nostalgic book right now to bring you back out of a reading slump that you're not in, but yeah. say if you were, what would it be? Anything by Roald Dahl. Ooh, I used to love Roald Dahl, um, The Twits, yep. uh, George's Marvelous Medicine, probably mm-hmm. one of my faves, yep. I would say. James and the Giant Peach. Definitely probably also my fave. Also great, yeah. Matilda. Anything, yeah, Matilda, like anything by Roald Dahl, which is what I used to read quite religiously as a child. I also loved like Flat Stanley. Oh, yeah. And Rowan of Rin by Emily Rodder. Now I just want to go and read all my kids' books. Like, yeah. And you know what else I loved? This I was a bit older by this point. The Princess Diaries. You know how the Princess Diaries movie with Anne Hathaway uh-huh. is based on a book series? Yes. Um, I used to have the book series. There was like, I don't know, 17 books in that series. Whoa, and it was really fun and really funny. Oh, Babysitter's Club. Oh, oh yeah. Good loved one. the Babysitter's Club. What I would All read, time. I think... Is I used to read a series called Ali's World. I don't know if you remember oh, that. No, have it. It was like one of those, you know, when you got the Scholastic Book Club, yeah, like sure. you know, brochure. Yeah. And obviously a big, you know, big reading encouragement family. Mm. I was allowed to pick anything that I wanted. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't get anything that had like some sort of toy or gimmick. I had to like get a book. Uh, a proper you know? book, okay. A proper book. And then I discovered this series called Ali's World, which is about a, I think she might have been 12 or 13 year old girl living in London. Mm. And she had two sisters. One of the sisters was named Rowan. She was like this. That's a cool baby name. We should write that down. Yeah, write it down. She was like super cool, super quirky, like a little bit different. And then she also had an older sister named Quinn, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. And they all lived in London and I really loved it. And I picked up like all of this weird fancy slang. That's really fun. It was really, really fun. I really loved it. I don't think we've even talked about it. And I would love to go back and read that series. Yeah, you should find them. Another one that I desperately loved was obviously Black Beauty. Oh, yeah. I read read that book until... Till it fell apart mm-hmm. there are lots of different versions and i don't really care what version that you read but i think it's just an incredible wonderful story i forgot to say morris glatzman oh yeah i loved his books especially two weeks with the queen two yeah. weeks with the queen which you got signed for me by yes. morris glatzman for my birthday a few years ago when we first got together for anybody who doesn't know this story and i want to like I'm, I'm gonna give a shout out here to morris because i know that he's listening to the podcast morris bay <laughs> So I reached out to him, maybe via email. Yeah, via email. Via email. And he got back to me and I was like, look, it was it's my partner's birthday. I really want to do something special for her. One of her most favorite books is Two Weeks of the Queen. You wrote that, just a reminder. Um, you know, would you be able to sign it for me? And he wrote back to me personally, not through an assistant. Mm-hmm. He gave me his personal address to send it to. Yeah, because I had the original book from my childhood. And he was very worried that it was going to get lost. And he's like, please don't give this address to anybody. And I was like, obviously, thank you so much. And that address is (laughs) (laughs) on the podcast. He signed it and wrote a really lovely inscription in the cover and then sent it back. And I gave it to you for your birthday. That's so nice. It was all downhill from there. Oh, come off it. <laughs> Gotta give a good gift. <laughs> you do. do a segment about that. You really do. Anyway, what's another tip? Moving on. Um, I think it's your turn for oh, a tip. Another tip that I like to talk about, about getting in, back into reading, is, of course, audiobooks. 
And I'm going to give a different argument than I usually give this time. I usually talk about, you know, production value and how great it is and what a luxury it is to be read to, blah, blah, blah. All of those things are still true. But I think this time I want to talk about the fact that you can read whilst you're doing other things. We have very busy lives. And I mean, by we, I mean, everybody in the universe has a very busy life. But if you're like going, oh, should I go for a walk, half an hour walk, or should I read a book? Why not do both? Because this way, with audiobooks, audiobooks, you can. I listen to audiobooks like a lot, a lot, a lot, just when I'm around the house. Mm. I'm basically an old man with a wireless. <laughs> and I think it's great. Sometimes I will listen to a book over watching TiVo. And or sometimes, because my brain is very weird, I will listen to a book whilst I'm watching TV and playing my Nintendo. That is too much for me. Too much for everybody. Oh too goodness. much for me. I don't know how you take it It's away. a really great way to get into reading. It's a really great way to read books that you might have missed. Like something like Pride and Prejudice, for example. A book that was meant to be listened to. You want to get into poetry. Another really great way. Find your favorite actor, actress, or actor. Yeah. I mean, Meryl Streep narrates Charlotte's Web, for yeah. God's sake. Yeah. Like, if you were always meaning to read Charlotte's Web in childhood, yeah. now's the time to listen to it. Pretty sure Sally Field reads a few books. Oprah reads Oprah. White Oleander, one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. So you yeah. get it. And also, some of your favorite authors read their own book. Mm. Elizabeth Gilbert reads Big Magic, for yep. example. I'm a big fan of nonfiction audiobooks. I can't really get into fiction audiobooks. My one exception being um, Daisy Jones and the Six because the way that it's read by several different actors. Jennifer Beals. It, yeah, and Jennifer Beals. I forgot that. Uh, it makes it seem like you're listening to a kind of a podcast or a documentary style. Mm. So I really enjoyed that. But generally speaking, I love listening to um, like autobiographies and memoirs that mm. are read by the person because it feels really intimate and interesting while Lily I'm driving. Allen reads Lily Allen's is really good. I also liked Busy Phillips. Osha Ginsburg, mm-hmm. um, Michelle Obama, so many, too many to list, but that is a really great way to get back into reading if you're out of it. Um, my next top tip is to set yourself a little challenge, but make sure that it's like a very easy, achievable challenge so that you feel good about yourself because yeah. one of the negatives of goal setting is that if you miss the goal, you feel like shit. You know, we all know that. Mm. So one page a night, literally one page. Mm. I'm going to pick up this book and I'm going to read one page and then I'm going to fall asleep. And then maybe the next night you're like, that was really good. That was really easy. I'm going to do two pages. Or maybe you just stick to the one page thing and there you have it. You know, you're carving out a little time each day. Once you get into a book, it's really hard to put down Mm. a lot of the time. I remember being very young and reading something like The Folk of the Faraway Tree, for example, and being really into it and being so concerned that they were going to get stuck at the top of the tree <laughs> that I needed to know. So therefore, I was just reading. That reminds normal. me of another childhood series that I loved, The Secret Seven. Oh, yeah, good one. So exciting. Good one. Anyway, we've got two more top tips for you. Laura, your turn. One of mine is is if, is, is if, if I can get the words Are out. you okay? If you really loved a show or a podcast or a movie or whatever else, find a book that it's based on, you know, those kind of things. Or... Along the same lines, at least, parallel mm. to it. So maybe you watched You by Carolyn Kepnes. Go ahead and read those books. They're yeah, amazing. and don't don't convince yourself that it's not worth reading the book just because you've already seen the movie or you've already watched the TV series because it's always different. Yeah. And if you're already invested in it, like if you already care about the movie and you liked the movie, you know you're going to like the book. 
Mm. even if you th- you think you know what's coming, you know. So it's it's an e- easy win when it comes to yeah. getting out of a slump. I've got two really great examples of things that were different mm. between the book and the movie. The Shining by Stephen King mm-hmm. and the movie adaptation directed by Stanley Kubrick, both of which I love, but very, very different endings. Mm. And you can go ahead and Google exactly what Stephen King thought of the Shining adaptation. Um, spoiler alert, he hated it so much that he made his own TV, <laughs> you know, movie, straight to TV movie. Um, the very different ending, very different book, very different story. So odd. Another really great example, again, I'm going to name drop Carolyn Kevness because you, the TV show, season one was pretty similar to what happened in the book. Season two, things kind of deviated. And by the end of season two, because of the way the TV show ended, season three had to be completely different. Whereas in the book series, the way that those things ended, season, you know, Book number two, the way book number two ended, it made book number three completely different. Mm. You know, for example, as a a mini spoiler, but it's not really. It's been out for a while. Book three in the series, Love Quinn, Mm. is not really in it. She doesn't really make that much of an appearance, TBH. Whereas, obviously, in You Season 3, love is all up in that. So, you know, definitely worth it. There you go. Yeah. Hot tip. Good job. Um, my final tip is read something that you'll actually enjoy, even if you think people will judge you for it. So Mm -hmm. rather than trying to read the latest award winners or the hyped books that everyone's talking about or the book that you think you should read, Mm. if you know you love basic bitch crime or like a fluffy romance, just embrace that and read it. Mm. You know, don't care about what anyone else thinks. Like Laura makes fun of me all the time for my book choices. Mm. I don't understand why, because I feel like (laughs) I am equal parts literary and basic. And I love that about myself. And I think that that makes me a very well-rounded human. Mm. Laura Kebby, I'm staring right at you. (laughs) Um, So just go with it. You know, like I have just learned to block out her nagging and um, her teasing. Yeah. And I want that for all of you as well. So, Laura, (laughs) I want you to have a think just to round this segment out. I'm going to give a big recommendation for a book that I loved recently that I think will get people out of a slump. And I want you to think about your answer too. I've got numerous. Yeah, okay, but you're only allowed to choose one. Okay, fine. Just one, okay? So a book that I loved recently is Dirt Town by Hayley Scrivener, and it's a debut crime novel. Mm -hmm. And it was... So amazing. I loved it so much. Um, it is basically, this This may be not doing it justice, but it's like a queer version of the dry. Well, that's the tagline that I've seen around. No, that's the tagline that I have been saying to you. No, you've not seen I've it. Seen no, it. you have not around. seen it. You've not I'm seen it. Find it. You, okay, fine. <laughs> you've not seen it around publicly. Uh-huh. People have just been saying that, including myself, because mm. it is the first book that I have loved as much if not more than The Dryer by Jane Harper, which was about, you know, six or seven years ago now. Um, so it's set in an outback town. It's It starts off with two young girls who are walking home from school. One of them makes it home and the other one doesn't. And then it's kind of like, you know, solving that drama, solving that case, figuring out what happened to her. And it flips between different perspective, perspectives of different characters, including my favourite is the perspective of the collective children of the town, like mm. the collective we, and it's the children of the town reflecting on this time. And it's really, really clever, beautiful language, super literary, but also very, 
you know, easy to read, sink your teeth into. You can't put it down. It's amazing. I cannot recommend it enough. Dirt Town by Hayley Scrivener. Mm -hmm. Get on it. What is your one recommendation? I'm going to ignore your rule. No, one. Just one. (laughs) I'm, the first thing that I'm going to say is Tonight I'm Someone Else by Chelsea Hodgson, which is an essay collection that I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Another book is In Cold Blood by Truman Capote because it was the first book that I truly, truly We're not loved. talking about your favorite books. We're know, talking they... specifically about books to get people out of a slump. Okay. What got you out of a slump recently? I can't say it because we're doing it. We're doing it. See, Amy I just wanted to see me. if you would say it. Amy has trapped me because I read this really amazing book that I <laughs> loved so much that I was in Dimmicks in Sydney, sitting on the floor, reading the first mm-hmm. 25 pages mm-hmm. uninterrupted. That never happens that to me. That never Laura. happens. I loved it. I loved it so much. I'm so excited for it to be the book club book because finally I picked a great one. It is our book club book for september yeah which is just around the corner which is why we're not telling you what the book is because if you're a subscriber and we're talking about a book that we love you're probably going to go and buy it because that's what most people do but we don't want you to do that because you're getting it so the rest of you who are not subscribers you should definitely join amy and laura's book club to get our favorite books each month but you should also wait until we announce this book and then you can go and buy it yourself if you don't want to be in our club great time to join a it's virgo season and b it's my birthday all month. Yeah, that's true. Sure. There we go. Okay. Uh, anyway, that was an excellent segment, Laura. I feel like I am out of a reading slump that I was not even in in the first place, just thanks yeah, to our yeah. top tips. <laughs> I hope it helped the rest of you too. Laura, what did you think of Cruel Intentions, the musical, which we went to see a few weeks ago in Sydney? How do I put this? I hated it. <laughs> I hated it so much. And you strong thought. Yeah. You had been trying to convince me to watch this movie for a long, long, long time. It is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And I finally watched it and I really loved it. Obviously, Mm. as you said that I would. So I was really amped up, really excited, pumped, some would say, to go and be a big city gal and go and see a show based on the 90s jam we love a show we love a show we do love a bit of culture in the afternoon culture in the evening (laughs) and we saw it and oh boy holy heck we were so excited and the best part of it to be honest with you was the 90s bangers that they were playing before the curtain came up it was was the best part so much fun just listening to all these great 90s um songs so yeah just to go back to cruel intentions the musical to remind everybody it was released in the 90s it stars the the movie the movie yeah sorry the movie was released in the 90s it stars sarah michelle geller Mm -hmm. uh ryan philippe uh Mm -hmm. is it philippe or felipe i don't know i'm gonna say felipe either way you butcher fancy (laughs) reese witherspoon yeah joshua jackson Mm-hmm. Like an, an absolute stellar cast. Yeah. Um, it's when Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Felipe met and then eventually fell in love and got married and had children and then broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just freaking iconic. It introduced really me good. to Bittersweet Symphony and to many of us. Uh, Colorblind, also an excellent banger. There are just so many bangers in that film and mm-hmm. it's really, really good. Okay. Basically, the crux of the storyline is some very overprivileged teenagers. Who are stepbrother and sister. Yes. Um, plot various, like, deeds against mm-hmm. various other people. Mm-hmm. And Reese with a spoon gets thrown in the mix. One of them accidentally falls in love. And then the whole thing 
explodes. Yes. There you go. That's good. That was really good because you didn't give away any spoilers for those of you you. who want to go watch the iconic 90s movie. Anyway, my biggest beef with the musical is that it was basically like watching the movie but worse. It was line by line. It was literally line by line, the movie, and the actors acted and inflected those lines in the exact same way as the iconic 90s actors did in the movie. And so I was just like really annoyed by that because I didn't want it to be the same as the movie because I could just be watching the movie. I wanted it to be a fresh new take on the original. For many reasons. There are some moments and elements in the movie that are problematic that everyone has addressed, you know, in various forms or another. Because it's a a product of its time. Yeah. We know it's problematic now. The musical did not address these problematic things. The musical did not address them. The musical did not rewrite them. The musical just had the exact same problematic, homophobic and racist elements in the musical as in the movie, which was really weird and it actually made me cringe in my seat. I felt very uncomfortable at certain times. Also, I forgot to mention that Selma Blair is in the movie. Oh, Selma Blair! Big name. Yeah, so Selma Blair and Sarah Michelle Gellar kissing in the park, in Central Park. That's the scene you probably know. If you haven't seen the movie, you've definitely seen them kissing in the park. Mm -hmm. So I know that it sounds like we're ragging on things and it's not usually like us. I mean... Correction. It's usually like me. It's not usually like Amy. So hopefully that gives you an idea of what it was. <laughs> My biggest problem with the movie, because you, with, with the, the musical, musical, you found the the fact that they didn't address the problematic things the, your biggest gripe. I found it distasteful, yeah. My and biggest lazy. gripe. I found it lazy. In the movie, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Sebastian, played by Ryan, the heartthrob, is very clearly a teenager, or at least, you know, he's in a his privileged, 20s. rich teenager. He's a young boy, and it's kind of funny that they like that him and Sarah Michelle Gellar kind of look like they're older beyond their years because mm. they're so rich, and it's kind of like this funny Upper East Side thing. But that he's they act still like adults, boy. but they're like teenagers. You know, it's it's like it's like Blake Lively in Gossip Girl. Like she's still exactly. kind of you know passes for it, but she's still young. Exactly, they were still young. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. However, and also the 90s fashion, I'm a big, you know, I like consistency Mm. and I like continuity. Mm -hmm. 90s fashion was a big thing in the movie because Mm -hmm. obviously it was set in the 90s. So picture Sebastian, the character, wearing these like quite billowy silk kind of shirts, like maybe pants that were a little bit wide in the leg, you know, like (laughs) quite 90s fashion. Yeah. However, in the stage show... The actor playing Sebastian wore the freaking tightest suit pants that I have ever seen. And the tightest kind of skivvy shirt, t-shirt thing. Not only was he not Sebastian, but he wasn't even Sebastian's dad. Like, <laughs> And I kept saying, like, the thing that I kept saying throughout the movie, and this, I'm not trying to go, oh, you know, he's a bad actor. Not, nothing to do with it. This mm. is a casting thing. It was a casting thing. Yeah. This is an, a casting and a costume thing. Yeah. So, Co- oh, costuming. I have a big gripe with the costuming. Yeah. They didn't try hard enough to make it fun in 90s. Jagged Little Pill, the Alanis Morissette musical, very yeah. different. Great 90s fashion. Back to me. Sorry. So I kept saying throughout the stage show, because unfortunately I do tend to chat to Amy throughout any sort of show or production. Yeah, no one ever The only time I didn't do it was when we watched Six. 
oh. which is really, really good. Oh, anyway, good. I kept turning to Amy and going, but he's a man. <laughs> he is a man. And I just looked up his profile and the actor is actually 34. And yeah. on his like starnow.com profile, his age range is listed as 29 to 39. Sebastian was in high school. He's meant to be 17. But the problem is that this wouldn't have been a problem if they were consciously being ironic or kind of Mm. making fun of it, but they weren't. And I just need to refer you to this excellent line in the timeout (laughs) review of Cruel Intentions, the 90s musical. Shout out to the copywriter. Shout out to the timeout reviewer. While the camp is dialed up to 11, it is still not entirely clear if this show is ironic or sincere, or perhaps it's a mix of both. Many of the performers, most prominently the one who played Sebastian, could more convincingly pass as a 40-year-old than a teenager. There is no self-aware nod to let us know whether they're being ironic or not. This is just, this sums up everything that I was thinking. I was like, okay, yeah. if I wanted to watch the movie, I would go home and watch the movie. What I want to see is a 90s musical stage show version of the movie that is made in 2022. Hmm. Like, even if they decided not to address the problematic elements of the movie, they could have at least made fun of it. They could have at least been ironic. They could have just, like, kind of been a bit tongue-in-cheek about it's clearly a 40-year-old man playing a 19-year-old, 17-year-old, whatever he's meant to be. (laughs) I'm Sebastian's dad. Like, Like, they could have just made it funny, but I just feel like it was really lazy and there was no writing involved because all they did was just take the movie script, slap it in front of some stage actors and say, go nuts, here are some 90s bangers to dance to. Also, the choreography, not great. <laughs> oh, I'm really getting on a tangent now. Really I think we should wrap it. this up. Um, good luck to everyone who is in the show. You're all great. I mean, <laughs> I feel really bad for ragging on it, but I, I don't mean, feel come bad. on. I don't feel bad it because been I think that people should just do better. <laughs> Costume better. It is no fault of the actors. Absolutely I no fault of the actors. Get the fake Sebastian's tight little buns out of my head in his suit pants, wondering when he is going to pick up his children. Yeah. You know. 100%. Anyway, go and see it if you like. I got you. So sorry. Yeah, go and see it if you want. A musical that you should see when it comes back around is Six. Six. It was excellent. We're in the middle of trying to figure out what musical we should go and see when we're in London. Uh Because, yeah, we're going to London. Don't know if you heard that from the last episode, but we're going to the UK. (laughs) It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, Hello, I'm being a wanker, Mm. and I love it. Um, Queen of everything, Amy Lovett. So we're trying to decide what to see, and we really want to see six in mm. London because we just loved it so much but then we're like oh should we see something we haven't seen before mm. but then it's like oh maybe we should see Wicked because we love Wicked and it's been like 10 mm. years since I saw it but then it's like oh maybe we see Book of Mormon because we loved Book of Mormon love- and this is just They're how so we go cute. around and round. The little Book of Mormon. There are so many great musicals so I highly recommend you go and see a great musical. Anyway that wraps it up. Thanks everyone. Amy, I just want to say thank you so much for oh, – are you meant to me, for me to thank the audience is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes, everybody. I just want to say thank you to every single person for listening to another episode of Reading Makes You Better in Bed. And also, Ames Love for being once again my guest on your own show. Oh, my God. You're so annoying. <laughs> um, I'm starting to get really triggered by the fact that you say that when <laughs> I'm the one who clearly plans these episodes. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Um, We 
we'll probably be recording the next episode in Scotland. Yes. And we're really excited about that. Speaking of Scotland, our latest next book club choice Mm -hmm. for Amy and Laura's book club subscription, which you can find online at secretbookstuff.com, is a debut release. Sorry, it's not a debut release. No, no. It's a new release novel. Sultan Skin by Eliza Henry Jones, mm-hmm. and it's set in Scottish, the Scottish Islands. And I read it a couple of months ago before it was released, and I have not stopped thinking about it since. I'm so excited to share this one with our subscribers. We're also going to do our Zoom book club from Scotland, mm. which is excellent considering it is a book set in Scotland. And the author Eliza Henry Jones is going to be joining our Zoom, and I'm so excited about it. It's not too late to sign up for Amy and Laura's book club and get yourself a copy of Salt and Skin if you want one. Um, it's such a such a beautiful book, and I'm really excited to ask Eliza all of the questions. Also, if you missed it, in a couple of days we are having our July book club with. James Mackenzie Watson, Mm -hmm. the author of Denizen, which was our July pick for Amy and Laura's book club. So if you'd like to join that, definitely jump on our website and our Facebook page and see how you can make that happen. Mm. And uh, anything you want to add, Laura? Yeah, speaking of books, how's your book going? Now that I've got a public audience. (laughs) Which one? Book one, book two? Book one. Book one. Thanks for asking, Laura. Uh, Book one, I got through the big structural edit and I'm really happy with it, and so is my publisher. Mm-hmm. And now we're moving to the copy edit stage. So that's the line-by-line edit where all the nitty-gritty, consistent details need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know me, I love the nitty-gritty, so I'm really excited for that stage. I'm going to be working on it in Scotland. I'm also going to be writing book two while we're away, which yeah. is the plan, so you've got to keep me on track. Oh, don't worry. I will. All I want to do is just go to Scotland and walk through the mountains and read a million books. No. But I am really excited to also write because that's been my dream for a long time. We're on a strict schedule. Um, bonus Would question. we say it's strict? I would. Would we say there's wiggle room? <laughs> <laughs> bonus question. How many years of your life did you lose whilst waiting for the copy editor to come back? At least five. Oh, yes. I have been considering getting a facelift. Just because I feel like the stress of not knowing what was happening and thinking that the book deal was going to be pulled out from under me any second because that's just how Mm. my insecure brain was working at that time has definitely taken years off me. Mm. And um, my face used to be youthful and now it's not. (laughs) And I'm really sorry about that. Yeah, I miss those days. As the person who wakes up to me most mornings, (laughs) uh, I'm very sorry. It's always a good day waking up to you, Dal. Anyway, why did you have to end on that note? That's so gross. can't help it. Let's talk about being horny again for Bridgerton. Oh, God. (laughs) We'll catch you next time, everybody. Enjoy. Catch you in Scotland. Desperately wants to have premarital sex and the vampire is like, no, shady. No, shady. Congratulations on ending segment one, everybody. We'll be right back. This podcast was recorded on the unceded lands of the Gundungurra people. We pay our respects to First Nations elders, past, present and emerging.